The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Thank you for tuning in here to the Brandon Peters Show. On Monday, March 7th, 2022, our good friend Jim Dietz passed away suddenly. Very sad and still to to me right now, shocking event. What follows here today is his final recording on the Brandon Peters show, uh, the Old Space Show segment for Space 1999, season two, uh, the final episode of that, uh, The Doricons. Um, Jim completed the series. I haven't released the episode yet until now, as I was waiting to see what his friends over at the HHWLOD network and uh, his family wanted done with this recording. To me, their input was very important and They just wanted to hold off, and now is the time to release it. It was recorded back on Tuesday, February 15th. What we do in podcasting a lot of times here is something called banking, where you record a bunch of episodes in one sitting, so you have them for later. And that's what Jim and I would do with Space 1999, Old Space Show, as I do the other co-hosts of that segment. On that date, we recorded The Devil's Planet, The Immunity Syndrome, and The Dorcons. Of course, when recording, we had no idea what the future had in store. Jim and I were already planning his next old space show uh, and also an appearance upcoming on the summer series I'm running and recording right now. But alas, it was not to be. Um, If you're curious as to where Jim would have recorded on Old Space Show next. We were talking between uh, Briscoe County Jr. and Knight Rider. Those were some of the ones we talked about. Um, I met Jim back in 2013 um, doing an Evil Dead commentary for Out Now with Aaron and Abe, where we recorded a commentary for the first movie. And Aaron, Jim, and I had so much fun. We were like, let's just go on to Evil Dead 2. And they're short. And we did it. It's a fun time. I never met Jim in person. Only through podcasting, but over eight years when you're consistently recording with someone, as Jim not only was my first podcast on his network, the Ichabod Cranecast with Maxwell Haddad and Aaron Newworth, but he was a recurring guest on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, where him and I, we shared a love of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and So Bad They're Good Movies, uh, like The Apple, we both shared that, and we would constantly message each other recommendations on things like that and i will dearly dearly miss doing that with him and uh, if you want to know uh one of jim's favorite movies of all time legitimately favorite was david lynch's dune Uh, he loved the dune property love everything so if there was a movie you wanted to watch in jim's honor that would be it unironically it's a beautiful thing his love for dune is very true him and his wife both shared a passion for that movie. Uh, I will miss Jim Dietz 
so much. I'm still in in shock about this this whole thing. Um, there's truly a hole, not here on just on the show, but like with me personally. Like he he did mean a lot, and he meant a lot to a lot of people, and he leaves behind family that is going to miss him dearly. And I wish them the most peace and great strength through this time. And I hope this recording for people is a celebration of Jim and just another last time to enjoy his thoughts on some goofy sci-fi property as Jim was one of the kings of geeks. I call him like a godfather of geeks. The guy was a legend. Like his, He had the best pipes in the business, that deep voice. Um, but he also was, I, I would say, a good geek. Like reading memories from people, I saw how many lives he touched and changed for the better. Like, he brought positivity to things. Jim didn't like everything, but he respected if you did. That was a good thing. For instance, Jim hated Doctor Who. And you all know I love Doctor Who. But he would always respect what I had to say about it and allow me to love it. It is kind of a cool thing. And he promoted that across the board with people. So, I don't know if I have anything more to say. I don't even know if what I'm saying here is is good or just trash. But I miss you, Jim Dietz. Um, let's move on to Space 1999, the Dorcons, so we can hear you one last time talk about Commander Koenig and his crew on Moonbase Alpha. Thank you. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I, I am Brandon, and this is my co-captain, free from his stasis, Jim. <laughs> and here we are at the heat death of space 1999, the oldest space of all. <laughs> this installment of Old Space Show concludes our episode-by-episode episode travelogue through the entirety of of space 1999 it also <laughs> concludes my community service for allegheny county uh so <laughs> i i want to pick garbage by the side of the road this summer thank goodness thank you <laughs> oh our episode by episode travel like through the site or god thank you uh Sorry. Space 1999, the moon, it's knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space. Oh, you know space. what it is by now. <laughs> the population of its human colony, hoping to stumble upon a new home. Spoiler, they don't. Uh, not in this episode. Today, Damn, that's cold, son. <laughs> today, we are here to talk about the 24th and final episode of season two and the series, The Dork Cons. <laughs> The Dorkons, the most powerful race in the galaxy, demand that the Alphas hand Maya over to them. Koenig refuses until Moonbase Alpha is savagely attacked and invaded. Then, having let them take Maya, he makes a desperate attempt to save her. This one, the final episodes, they choose Tom Clegg of the Bringers of Wonder and the one I recently liked a lot, The Devil's Planet. And it's written by, a, you guessed it, Johnny Byrne. I'm my man, Johnny Byrne, yo. Keeping it real. Up That's in right. the field. Uh, guest starring 
Patrick Troughton. Okay. And Furbank and Jerry Sunquist. Patrick Troughton, the second awesome. doctor. Very excited to see him here. Patrick Troughton, of course, uh, the show is the show, uh, Doctor Who, because it worked with Patrick Troughton. Like they replaced William Hartnell, the lead actor. He was the second man to play the doctor because Hartnell was getting a bit old and cranky. They were kind of moving him off the show and they decided, ah, let's replace our lead actor on this show randomly. He's an alien. We could do something. And if it doesn't work with him, who knows? And basically there's a thing that Scott Mendelson and Aaron Ruth and I talk about with uh, sequels to in franchises that's usually the second film that really sets the what you know a franchise for uh, uh like lethal weapon you know also saw Empire like, strikes back Empire, yeah so it's what you'll know a series for and like the first film ends up becoming this odd outlier that doesn't feel like the franchise portion of it Troughton's doctor is very much where a lot of the guys like model their performance off the he was kind of they call them the cosmic hobo he was, he was always he was the one with the bowl cut, right? Yeah, the bowl cut. He looked yeah, he looked like Mo with his right. haircut, and then he had big, uh, goofy clothes. But like he was like an idiot's font. Like he would seem silly, but he was always eight steps ahead of everyone else. He was always very clever. Uh, but when you get to like the eighties, and you have Peter Davison. Uh, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, they're like, oh, who, you know, you know, any of the doctors growing there? All were like, oh, Patrick Trout was my favorite growing up and all this stuff. So he was very influential. He's one that they come back to. Matt Smith's doctor is based off of Patrick Trouton's. So there's, there, he's very influential. The, the weird thing about Trouton is, though, a lot of his episodes were erased like he was called the missing doctor for so long because not many of his episodes existed i think nowadays you could call him the animated doctor because they've been animating missing episodes based off existing audios uh and he's had a lot but um really cool stuff yeah good he was the guy who invented the three and out rule for the doctor as well Mm. that that um he said to three three seasons and out three seasons he told peter davison that and it wound up just happening randomly even when they don't try it like sylvester mccoy would have gone for a full fourth season but they canceled it colin baker said he wanted to pass tom baker but then he got fired and all sorts of all sorts of stuff christopher eccleston you know he left after one year did tenet did three years wanted to go and they convinced him to do a year of specials which is kind of like a fourth year uh but everybody else it's always three and out and it's the trouton rule that's what they call it but he, he's had a big career until like he is a character actor. Like that's what he likes to do. He doesn't li- like Doctor Who is one of the few programs where he actually took a lead role and kept with it. Like he does like all sorts of guest spots. He likes jumping character to character. He started in plenty of a few Hammer films. And of course, uh, The Omen is probably where non Doctor yeah. Who people know him as. That's the, where I know him from. Sorry. I'm yeah. Who be in there? Uh, yeah. The crazed priest. That you know gets the speared uh, in the original Omen, and he's great in that. Like he's got a good look to it, but he's always been a good guy. He's always been a good person to uh, fans. He always he would go to those conventions before conventions were cool when they were dork cons, right? Jim? Dork cons. Every con is a dork con, <laughs> right? 
He would oh, he, stop me. He would do those. He would return to the show. Like he would do his character. So he's a cool guy. Died of a heart attack in the eighties. Like that's what happened to him. But uh, shortly after, like a year after his final, he guested uh, during Colin Baker's uh, first season. He reprised his role as the second Doctor, in the two Doctors, and he passed away not too long after that. His son is currently playing him in audio dramas uh, ah, nice. for Big Finish, which also does. Uh, does Space Nine audio Nine. dramas. So also, we have another huge guest star here, Anne Furbank, mm-hmm. who recently appeared in uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Do you know who she was, Jim? She was uh, an elder on Tatooine, right? She was the woman who asked Ray what her name was. And Ray goes, Ray Skywalker. That scene. She was oh, that woman. At the very end. Oh, man. She said this, some of the last lines in the Skywalker saga. They, yeah. My name's Ray. Ray Star she Wars. Was also in a, she was also, but to give her credit, she was also in Asylum as well, so. Yeah, yeah, and she's in The Witcher, Midsummer Murders, EastEnders, Bergerac, Poirot. Like she's she's got it down. But yeah, she she was in The Rise so of Skywalker. Let's not hold that against her. I mean, she didn't write that. No, no, she did not. No, absolutely not. It's just funny that it's that moment. But uh, and she did good in her part in that moment too. Like no, it's not her issue. Uh, and Sunquist here. Uh, sadly, uh, this, he had a small career, but he he took his own life at age thirty seven. Um, I was kind of bummed reading that, but uh, that's where he's at. But we're here, Jim. We're in the final. Wow. Well, we did it. What a long, strange trip it's been. Yeah, we have now. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to some of that at the end, but we'll we'll get into the dork cons. Let's take care of these dork cons. Let's get them all down. Cover for you, anime. All right. Uh, Alpha sensors have detected an alien object in the weir- we- in their west quadrant. Readings indicate a power source, but no life signs. As they monitor it for any signs of danger, they detect a sudden energy buildup. It fires a beam that penetrates Alpha's defensive screens easily. The beam scans command center, passing over the now immobilized Alphans and causing their computers to short out. Ah. Except Maya, who watches in dismay as she is unaffected by the mysterious paralysis holding the rest of the crew. When the beam reaches her, it changes intensity, inflicting tremendous pain. As Maya collapses, the holdover, the rest of the Alphans, is released. They rush to help Maya. Yeah, like everybody freeze frames. Yeah. Maya. It reminded me of the, the Mystery Science Theater of the movie where uh, they put a green beam on it. It's like, oh, I have a mint tea fresh flavor now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's like the green light. I'm like, oh, oh they all smell minty. It's awesome. I have a minty <laughs> menthol sensation. Now, now let me ask you something. Were they all in stasis? Stasis. <laughs> right. That's the other question I have. And it, it's interesting the the ship in this. Like first the ship look is like blue and kind of blocky, right? But then it changes to this thing with all these domes on it. It kind of looked like part of the ship from Silent Running. Have you ever seen oh, Silent yeah, Running? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Silent Running. Yeah, it, it looked kind of like that with those domes. Like the, I guess they're supposed to represent like little biomes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it kind of looked like uh, like repurposed part of that ship. Could be. Could be. I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a British production. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, Silent Running. It's a cool-ass movie. <clears throat> so when she comes to, she tells them that it was a mind probe. Of course. They, mm-hmm, 
Yeah, well, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Uh, they maintain a watch on the alien probe while trying to communicate with it. Suddenly, it converts to energy and back to matter in a different and larger form. Maya recognizes the ship as belonging to the Dorkons and begins to panic. She tells him that the Dorkons are enemies that Psychons fear most. Tony tries to comfort her, saying that she will be safe on Alpha. She tells him that they can't stop the Dorkons as they are the most powerful race in the galaxy. You can't stop the Dorkons. So they're facing the most powerful enemy in the galaxy in the final episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big, 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 man. Tony and Maya have been characters that they have actually get like oddly enough. Tony's just like, hey, remember he likes beer? They bring up. But Maya actually gets like every so many episodes, like, all right, let's bring something from her past. Let's show something that mm-hmm. opens her up a bit. They've actually right. care to develop Maya. That's I I think that's pretty good. Like I don't remember a lot of that in season one even with any characters. Like they'd force some like, hey, remember the old days at the Academy? That one yeah. time, yeah, right. It didn't feel like natural like things, mm-hmm. but Maya, they're out in space. Oh shit, these guys or the you know. Hey, we got an alien. We might as well use her. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Dorkon ship, Alpha's signal is received, and the Archon is notified. His nephew Malik suggests using <laughs> force to take the Psycon, <laughs> while his consul Varda suggests reasoning with the Alphans. Now, look, is what you get when you order Malcolm McDowell from Wish. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, like, trying to be that kind of, like, you know, snobby kind of uh, Caligula Alex type Malcolm mm-hmm. McDowell thing. He's not not quite hitting it. And uh, no, he's, like the, he's ob- like the guy that was in, like, the audition room. We're like, not him, not yeah. him. I've seen that guy. Too. What about that guy? He probably, he's probably cheap, right? Bring him over here. Yeah. Mr. Mc- Mr. McDowell will not be, be appearing tonight for his understudy. Malik will be taking <laughs> over. Plus, uh, Dorkon seems to be the, the planet of cheap costume jewelry. Yes, exactly. Oh, no, totally. Everybody's wearing giant jewelry. Like, um, I didn't even realize it until later, but like the Archon, I mean, the Archon's wearing this giant medallion you'd probably eat your dinner off of. And like, I guess that's his, um, like, sign of office or whatever we find out later. But mm-hmm. uh, at this point, he just looks like he's ready to go to Studio 54. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're all wearing flowing gowns and giant costume jewelry. Mm-hmm. And they, they got the uh, like the polka dot man bulbs hanging off the walls yeah. too. Or, yeah, those are right, right. Those are fun. Their house is uh, decorated in light, bright, and Mondrian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, believing Malik has ulterior motives, Archon rejects his suggestion in favor of Varda's. She contacts Alpha, requesting that Maya be handed over to them. Kodak, they want Maya's brain. They want the brains. Kodak refuses, and Varda suggests that he reconsider before she has to demonstrate her power. Kodak orders surface lasers and combat eagles to the ready. Varda tells him that resistance is futile. <gasps> we got some space laser ship blasting action going on. Yeah, we in this. do. A, like lot this, of, yeah. a lot of effects in this. Like they have like four different eagles in the air. We got like matte painting ships. Like it's, yeah, 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 totally. Explosions. A lot of product burn off. 
Uh, one, <laughs> one of the enough. eagle explodes. Uh, one of the eagles explodes, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 Oh, it's crazy. They're really going out with a bang. Every I wrote here. I wrote here. Everything is either on fire, blinking red, or making sparks. <laughs> yeah. Insane. So Maya asked Koenig to hand her over before they kill everyone. Koenig has Tony secure the base against her attack or against attack while waiting for the Dorcons to make a move. Koenig asks Maya what they want for her. She tells him that they don't die the way other racers do. Their brainstems cease to function. The Dorcons learn that Psycon brainstems last forever. She tells him they will not leave without the last living Psycon. But like, so like, but she found another Psycon like a, like four or five episodes ago. Right. How do we know there aren't? Were they all just they, they never left the planet? Like, I, I don't know. Okay. I guess they, they think that she's the last one for some reason. But even though we already met those others, but okay, okay. Sure. We uh, need that dramatic attention, Brandon. Come on. All right. Fair us. enough. I'll let it, uh, yeah, it. It's true for this episode because we need it to be that way. I'll take it. All right. The Doricons begin their attack. The Alphans counter with everything they have to no avail. The laser batteries are wiped out, an eagle lost, and the base in ruins. Without so much as a scratch on the Doricon ship, in the heat of the attack, one Alphan tries to force Koenig to hand Maya over <laughs> to the Doricons at gunpoint. His gun is taken away forcibly, and Maya begs Helena to use it to kill her, stating that the Doricons would leave. I love this guy's like... Let them have Maya, and immediately Tony with the right cross. Bam! Boom! <laughs> you Tony with a big girl. swing. <laughs> this guy's got a foot on Tony, too. He's like, I don't care. I'll Kevin Hart your ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin. Oh, so she asks Helena if she wants to see her end up a living husk. Helena wavers, but hands the gun to John. He has Alibé. Remember did her? Anyone, yeah, Alibé! Did at any point did you think that Helena would shoot Maya? No, at all. No, no. it wasn't no. like it wasn't like it was the end of Full Metal Jacket or something. It was like, right. come on. <laughs> he has Alibe contact the Doricons. He tells Varda that if she doesn't stop the bombardment, he will kill Maya. Varda has no choice but to comply. She has Maya's location identified and gathers a boarding party, charging their Mason converter. Console Varda and her men prepare to transport down to Alpha to take Maya by force. Detecting the energy buildup, Maya transforms into another Alphan before they arrive. <laughs> Who looks slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> like, she didn't, like, you know, maybe change it to a woman of color or, you or know. A or a man. Or a man. And a, 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 you know, a Hispanic man or something. Like, something that would be totally off. No, just a slightly different white lady. <laughs> that was great. So, uh, would, uh, Varda does not see... Maya, she asks Koenig where she is. So, like, the, she does, like, give them the minty fresh shakedown during this. She, like, has the green flashlight on everybody with her soldier guy that <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he is. The, Going with the spotlight technology. He looks like someone from, like, a Deathstalker movie got, like, mm-hmm. glammed up for Studio 54. Like, that's what. He looks. Looks like somebody trying to cosplay a Borg, but without the machine parts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, hilarious. hoping they won't be able to detect her in current form, Kodig remains silent. Varda tells him that she has painful means to find her and proceeds when 
Koenig refuses to help. Painful means like the backseat of a Buick. <laughs> ultimately, she uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, this wasn't exactly the opening scene from Inglorious Bastards here. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> trying to hide, trying to hide Shoshana from right. Florida, you know. Ultimately, she locates Maya, who, as Warren, suffers under the beam until she returns to her normal shape. Varda's troops take Maya into the transporter beam. And up to the Doricon ship, Varda apologizes for things going as they did, but tells Kodak his people will be left in peace and follows them into the beam. Like, I took what I wanted. You guys fine. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. See you. Well, Kodak races into the beam before they can shut it off and is transported to the Doricon ship where she is immediately caught, where he's immediately caught. The Archon. He's caught in the same kind of prison as in Devil's Planet. They like wave a oh, hand. Oh, yeah, he's, that's true. He's behind a transparent wall and like a nook in a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Archon tells Varda Sorry, to kill God. him, but uh, given her word that no one else will be harmed, she asks to send him back to Alpha. He is placed behind a force field until the Mason converter coils can recharge to transport him back to Alpha. Maya is taken to be prepared for the brainstem transplant surgery that will make the Archon m- immortal. Now, evidently, during, during this operation in the airport meeting room, with a lot of uh, old audio equipment. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And a couple of just white slabs. Not even beds. Just, like, white slabs. It's great. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, Malik hears that the Psycon has been captured and approaches Consul Varda. He tries to convince her to let Archon die so that he may replace him as the right, his rightful heir. Varda refuses, believing that Malik would bring misery and war to the people of the Dorkon Empire. He tells her she will regret her decision and leaves. Varda alerts security to deny Malik access to the Archon on or Archon. Uh, when Malik realizes that she has what she has done, uh, heads to the main control room where Koenig is being readied for transport. Varda leaves to gather the Archon for the surgical procedure. When the converters is charged, Koenig attacks his guards. But said, I'm just, I just wanted to, there was a really weird line I, I wrote down here. It's like, a, I'm an old man's dream of death, and then I wake to see you bring me to immortality. Yes. I'm like, wow, what a weird read. Okay. Uh, but before he can escape, Malik enters the room. The guards who are just recovering tell him to kill Koenig. Malik takes aim and fires at the guards. <laughs> Malik tells him he is free. Koenig asks why he's helping him, but Malik only tells him to help the Psycon before he changes his mind. Koenig leaves, and Malik notifies security that Koenig has killed his guards and is loose on the ship. Oh, that Malik. That Malik. Also, I want to mention something real quick. The, 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 why are all their doors egg-shaped? That doesn't seem very practical. Because it's like space <laughs> and science. I guess. I, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess so. I'm sorry. Round is natural, just like not being from Earth is not. I, I, egg shapes. They're all egg shaped doorways, I noticed. It's like yeah. mork for mork or something. Yeah. <laughs> Varda wakes the Archon from his old man's dream of death to arrange his immort- immortality just before she receives news of Koenig's escape. She requests the Archon's leave to handle it, but he wants to her with him. 
She orders Koenig killed on sight. Koenig searches for Maya, managing to avoid the Dorkon guards until he gets pinned down in a corridor. Malik kills the guard and directs Koenig to the operating room. With time running out, Koenig has no choice but to trust him. As Koenig heads in the direction indicated, he is forced to climb into the air ducts to avoid detection. Malik goes to the operating room where the transfer is about to begin. He kills the doctor, and just as Koenig arrives to watch the Archon. <laughs> so Martin Landau is Commander Koenig is Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> He's walking through the ducks, like looking at them. Spender would say yippee ki on that for her or something. It would be great. Pretty cool. Oh, well. <laughs> Koenig breaks out of the air shaft to free Maya when Malik shuts off the restraining beam. Malik pulls his weapon, but Maya changes into a creature and overpowers him. She and Koenig head... This is a creature we've seen before. Right, yes. Repurposed. She, it's the encore presentation of this creature. She and Koenig <laughs> head for the transporter. They are caught by Varda and her men who anticipate their destination when Malik informed the ship that Koenig killed the Archon and freed the Psycon. Bump, bump, kill the Archon, free the Psycon. Psycon, boom, 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 boom. Dorkon. Koenig tells Varda <laughs> that it was Malik that killed the Archon. She immediately realizes that he is telling the truth. She grabs his a weapon and tries to shoot Malik, but he is too fast. He's <laughs> quick on the draw, that Malik. He is. He fires first, and her shot goes wide, destroying the antimatter shields. Koenig and Maya run for the transporter beam and teleport back to Alpha as the ship starts to break up around them. Their welcome back celebration is cut short by the violent destruction of the Dorkon ship. They watch in awe as it tears itself apart before finally exploding into nothing. And you got to admire the hustle and the commitment of the kid playing Malak. Mm -hmm. Like he's in this room full of exploding squibs yelling, obey, obey. I am the archon. Yes. I mean, he really sold, tried to sell it right all the way to the end. God bless him. This is my moment. Uh, this is what the space 1999 fans will take with them forever. So Koenig remarks that console Varda was quite a woman after all to yeah. antagonize Helena. After Alan uh, brings coffee to Koenig and Maya, Tony asks Maya if she has any other secrets in her Psycon past that they should know about, to which she replies, that's a very highly improper question to ask any lady. <laughs> that's it. It's over. Space 1999 has ended. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Please return to your local library. <laughs> If you want to read more about it. If you'd like to read more. Uh, yeah. Suggestions from Space 1999. <laughs> you like, if you like Space 1999, <laughs> you like. So that's it. Space 1999. Uh, rather solid episode, I'd yeah. say. Got good it's sets. Cool. I like the sets. I like, yeah, I like watching. Good. Even though they laid in a bed the whole time, it's nice to have Patrick Troughton in there. I oh, hope yeah. in the I hope in the future we all get to wear flowing gowns and giant disco jewelry. That would be cool. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't be considered a dork con with that on. Who knows? 
but know. yeah, but uh, yeah, that was a solid, solid stuff. And, um, and that Council Varda was quite a woman. She was, she was. <laughs> I know we were talking about like where Space 1999 goes after Wizard Season 3. I believe they were working on possibly doing a Maya show. I, oh, wow. I think I read really? somewhere that they were doing a Maya show. I'm starting to remember that. Fans, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know if I'm way off. But I think they were they were interested in continuing that character on to its own thing and removing her from Space 1999 Season 3. Like they were going to do a Season 3 of Space 1999. They, I think, I believe, there was an episode order and Space 1999's third season was going to be like 12 episodes and a Maya show was going to take up the other 12 for a 24 episode order. Hmm. I believe that's where one of the ideas and one of the ways it was headed, but it got canceled. It's gone, gone, gone. But it has a fandom, which you all have come out of the woodwork for that. I never realized existed as big as it did. Um, till doing this show, which has been kind of, kind of fun. Jim, let's, let's look back. I would, I would also mention there's a uh, fan made uh, Return to Moonbase Alpha video right. mm-hmm. uh, on the Internet Archive. If you want to check that out, that's kind of fun. Yes, yes. There's that. Uh, the Space Night. It would be repurposed into a couple movies to be mm-hmm. sold in the wake of Star Wars. Right. Um, As I mentioned in another episode, I think Charlton Comics did a line of original stories with those characters that were published both in comics and in magazine form mm-hmm. um, th- around that time period as well. So, uh, Jim, season two, your thoughts, your final thoughts on season two. Definitely weirder. Definitely. They definitely went for the uh, more of an action oriented type situation. I thought the decision to go with Koenig and Helen as a couple was cool. I always will find Tony kind of annoying and weird. Uh, I liked Maya. I just wish we could have kept Paul and more of, you know, Sonia and Alan and all the rest from season one and Bergman. Um, I don't know. But some, it was a real mixed bag, too. Like, the episodes were, like, either pretty good or, like, really bad. Um, yeah. There wasn't a lot of, like, middle of the road here in season two. Yeah, so. I, I have to say I agree with you, right? Like, this, I share the same thoughts. I was really big on Maya, but there's no Bergman. Like, he was really cool. I, I, <laughs> I have to say that I'm more into the season one science fiction stuff than more uh, taking itself a bit right. more seriously. and. Right trying to just tell something that's more, I don't know, an experience related rather than just some blasting shooting around. Like, cause while oddly enough, I think Koenig here in season two, uh, the way Landau is able to play him here, where was that in season one with some of the things that needed that? Um, yeah. We, we had we we had some fun in season one, like going ha ha ha, but like he's got a bit more of a commanding force. Um, he doesn't give as many speeches it, in season two either. Like true. in season one, that was this thing with. I mean, we kept saying, "Oh God, another uninspiring speech by Koenig." You know, it's like, right? Uh, you know, we definitely got rid of that. I mean, Freiburg's you know season is definitely weirder. In the, the first season, right. and there are, and if you look at like science fiction television on a spectrum, saying like you know, Lost in Space is the absolute goofiest, and say the sci-fi remake of uh, Battlestar Galactica or The Expanse is the absolute lot less goofiest. I'd say the first season probably would be right in the center there, maybe a little more toward The Expanse, but this mm-hmm. season was definitely a little more toward the Lost in Space goofy. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Like, do you think Freiburger did better here or with Star Trek? 
I think these are actually overall these episodes are probably better than the yeah. ones he did for Star Trek because some of the ones he did for Star Trek are some of my least episode favorite episodes right. of the series. So, right, and that's not the the. Of course, I mean familiarity breeds contempt. You know, maybe I like these better because I don't know them as well. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah, there's less stakes with it because you know it was Star Trek. It was you know those first two seasons. Right. I mean that's a OG crew. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I used to watch that. I used to watch that with my dad as a kid in reruns. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I have more of an attachment to that and those characters. So maybe, you know, so it could be. But I, I generally, I would think I like these better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you feel glad you've gone through now? You've That was a gap there for you, Space 1999, in, right. in, in our nerd cred, both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I filled it in, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah no, it is Carter. Like, no, totally. Uh, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, I know to go to drink, don't drink Tony's beer. No beer yeah. from Tony. Yeah, definitely no beer. Um, it's not, I always love seeing these like guest stars popping up through here, like especially like British television them. people that it's like, oh, they're, they they literally did everything back then. Like you could be on almost every show. Like and Brian Blessed again. Double blessed. Yeah, We're tri- doubly blessed. Doubly blessed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, lots of yeah. When when Space ninety nine nineteen ninety nine brought it, they could really bring it. Like, oh. um, it, it just yeah, it felt like there were sometimes we're like, you know what, let's go for it here. Let's 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 put some more into this. And then other times like, yeah, well, it is what it is. It's sci fi British television. Which like, what? Why this week and not last week? Like, why not all the weeks? Try. I know TV has a hell of a production schedule back then, and there's filler. There's stuff meant to be cheap and like because you're trying to fill an episode order but it's just it's just weird the disparity sometimes but it felt like yeah. the last three episodes well that middle the one with the immunity center with tony's up blah but the the two of the last three episodes felt like they were really giving it a good go um which probably because they were it, under fire but yeah i think a lot of it's the writing too writing is very um very uh varied yeah from episode to episode, I mean the John John Byrne episodes seem to be the the the, the, uh, the strongest. Yeah, yeah, Johnny so, Byrne. I I was uh, disappointed. Terrence Dix wrote one, and I was like, eh, but wasn't that great? And I love I love a lot of what he's done with his Doctor Who contributions. Didn't work here. Yeah. Um, I mean, and some of the some of the episodes are like pretty hard sci-fi, and then others are just like off the chart bizarre, like the Seance Spectre episode. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it was like some episodes were just dependent on the one guest star, you know, make, carrying like the whole episode, like the Brian the Brain episode was like that, or the, the Tabor was like that. You know? Right. It was all, the entire episode was all like the fulcrum of it was whoever was the guest star. Um, and there were more, some that had like bigger ideas than that, like the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like the one we just uh, talked about, actually, the, the Dorcons, and then the. Uh, the Devil's Planet is like that too, or have like a kind of a thicker idea more to chew on for the the recruited to go through, you know. So right, right, yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally agree. But this was, yeah, this was a lot of fun. We kicked off the old space show began with Space 1999, came back around here to finish it off with season two. And that'll do it for Old Space Show, Space 1999, Season 2, and the series as a whole. Thank you so much, Jim Dietz, for putting in the effort for all this. Jim was a consummate pro. 
always game, always showing up, one of the easiest people to schedule a podcast with. And despite that, you know, that doesn't matter. He was a great friend, a great father, a great brother, husband, son, I'm sure. And we love him. I miss him. Thank you for all you did for everybody. Um, we move on next week on the show. Um, we'll do more Old Space Show. Uh, Rachel Friend returns to do Doctor Who, The Trial of a Time Lord. Every serial from that next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we have a special Doctor Who music uh, video thing for you on Friday. But you'll get Mysterious Planet, Mind Warp, Terror of the Vorvoids, and The Ultimate Foe all next week. Tune in. And I'm getting close to announcing what this summer special thing is. So stay tuned. And as always, there's more from the Brandon Peters show this week. But from old space. Just wanted to say thank you, Brandon, and Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. Oh!